Dear listeners, you are listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, and I just happen to be Janine. As many of you know, I have a strong connection to animals. I've done animal rehab. I've been a big rescuer. I just, you know, I often thought, well, maybe I should have become a vet instead of an RN, but here you go. (laughs) I'm pretty successful in communicating with them, and I use frequency bioresonance to help them heal. And so today, though, my guest, Barbara Shore, is here because she's an expert animal communicator. I'm looking so forward to speaking with her. I know this is going to be fun and heartwarming. She's actually a doctor of veterinary medicine. But in 1992, she left veterinary medicine to focus on animal communication, and she's been an animal communicator ever since. In fulfillment of a lifelong dream, Barbara spent a year in East Africa working with wildlife in their natural environment. Realizing that there is so much more to animals than simply their physical bodies, she wanted to know who are they as spiritual beings? What do they think? How do they feel? What do they know? How often have you asked that of your dog or cat? (laughs) What are you thinking? This led her to pursue a path of intuitive interspecies animal communication. In-depth conversations with animals, domestic and wild, became her teachers and co-authors. Barbara's first book, Soul of the Wild, Intimate Messages from the Hearts and Souls of Elephants and Whales, was published in 2010, and she's about to publish her second book, The Wisdom of Elephants. Barbara lives in Ashland, Oregon. And she is currently co-hosting a podcast called Animals and Us, Voices of a New Paradigm with, and I hope I can pronounce her name right, Avantika Mathur. Did I do that okay? That's very good. Mathur. 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 Okay. Yeah, but the first part was great. Oh, good. I worked on that for quite a while and I figured that's what it was. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome, Barbara. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. How are you? Thank you, Janine. It's so good to be here with you. So let's start out. I always like to start out with a little background. You know, how how did you decide to um, become a vet instead of a nurse? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have always loved animals. And as long as I could, I was working with them as a researcher, as a dog trainer, as an ethologist, which is the study of animal behavior. Mm-hmm. So it's just been pretty much a lifelong passion and interest. Mm-hmm. So to go to veterinary school, it took me a while to get there, I will say, <laughs> to want to commit to that. But it just seemed like a good idea. I mean, it was a way to be with animals and um, not be stuck in a in a university or or an office or something like that, mm-hmm. and to earn a living and to help them in any way I could. So it just made sense to go to vet school. Did you ever, uh, while you were still working as a vet, did you ever uh, like use homeopathics or Bach flower remedies or anything like that? I started getting interested in it, but I didn't. You know, at that time, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it that, you mm-hmm. know, I wasn't that exposed to it. I remember in vet school back then, chiropractic wasn't even talked about much and acupuncture wow. was just 
starting. So, you know, on our own free time, we would hear maybe one lecture about acupuncture. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now they're pretty much mainstream. And but the and, but back then, you know, we never heard about that kind of stuff. Right. And and for people who have pets that have um, issues, I just want to say that, um, well, here's here's the story. I, when I was doing wildlife rehab, I was delivered this um, chipmunk and its head was it was pretty much 180 to where it should be. <laughs> totally wow. turned around. And my mentors were like, oh, we're going to have to put it down. And but I'm like, no, I don't know about that. I'm just not feeling it. So I took her, him, her, I didn't even know which, I don't know which it was now, uh, to my chiropractor. And he used his little activator on her. And the next day she was fine. Wow. And I was able to let her go. That's great. I know. And then um, there's a vet here who actually, she doesn't practice as a vet anymore, but she does occupy, um, she does electroacupuncture and laser. And I can't even believe I did this, but this was maybe, well, let's see, Misty's nine. So it was maybe like uh, 11, 11 years ago. Um, I ran over my one of my schnauzers. I couldn't believe it. Thank God it was winter and there was a lot of snow. I don't know how we got under the wheel. Um and the vets wanted to, you know, it was like going to be three thousand dollars for X-rays, and and I'm like, he's already. Let's see, at that time, because he passed away at sixteen, so he was like fourteen, and I thought, I, I don't want to put him through that. And it once again, it didn't feel like needed to be done. And a friend told me about this woman who is a vet who does acupuncture and laser, and he kept going for another two years. He was just fine. In fact, yeah. I I had her work on her his sister too because they were getting older, and um, it just made all the difference in the world. So, you know, you got to think out of the box sometimes. <laughs> exactly. I know when I left vet medicine, I got really sick, mm. and I was kind of out of it for maybe eight months. Mm-hmm. And um, I think my adrenals were just shot, and. Um, And so I had this fabulous practitioner, a woman, and she used, I don't remember which machine it was, but, you Mm -hmm. know, a vibrational machine. And and she used homeopathics and bach flowers and herbs and vitamins, everything. And it was, I learned so much from her and Mm -hmm. I got really excited about it and wanted to practice that way. And I started learning some of those things. but then I went to a meeting in Hawaii, a, mm. a veterinary meeting, holistic veterinary meeting, and met an animal communicator, and <laughs> that was that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, when I do, and, and I'm sure you're so much better than I am, but I don't do it that much. But when I do, I feel like I'm making it up. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God, that's been my biggest challenge for the last 30 years. I mean, really? You do. And I always say to, because I usually when I'm working with an animal, if it's a pet, I, I work with the, the human too. And I always say, I, you know, this feels like I'm just making this up, but here's what I'm getting. I've got to tell you. And when I was doing my training, um, there was a, an exam and the, um, the, the client was a dog and I was supposed to and talk to the dog and find out what was going on. And I said, oh, this is so weird, you know, but here's what I'm getting. I'm seeing the dog humping his bed. 
because that was what the problem was. I'm like, wow, maybe I can do this. <laughs> yeah, you can get some weird stuff. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it's so, I mean, it, it's, you really have to have confidence because it, and, you know, having some wins really helps uh, when you're, you know, you get feedback that you're right on, but it, it, it's so weird how it, like I say, I just feel like I'm making it all up. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's, that's a stumbling block for many, many people. And it certainly has been for me. Some people see things, you know, they're very visual and they see, mm -hmm. see things. Other people hear things or actually feel things. Um, for me, most of the time, it's just like my own thoughts. And it's mm -hmm. very hard to determine, is this me thinking or right. is it something coming through? Mm -hmm. But I think that's the value of experience and practice is mm -hmm. you learn. You know, mm -hmm. you learn to trust when you get enough evidence or right. feedback or whatever it is to let mm -hmm. you know it's for real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you get feedback that uh, behaviors changed. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and it's so rewarding. I'm like, oh my God, I actually made a difference. <laughs> yes, it really is. It really is. Yeah. So how did, how did it evolve for you then when you uh, decided that this was what you wanted to do? Well, it's very interesting because I'd already been communicating with dolphins for years mm. and uh -huh. um, I had been swimming with dolphins Mm -hmm. captive dolphins at that time later I went and was with wild dolphins mm -hmm. but um but I always I've journaled for as long as I can remember and I would just get these messages from the dolphins and write them down you know mm -hmm. um and that was they were just my teachers they mm -hmm. were my spiritual teachers and I never knew there was such a thing as animal communication it, you know it they were just my teachers, and when when I learned about animal communication, it's like it took me quite a while to figure out how I work, mm -hmm. because in those days the teachers um, they would say you need that that animals send images, visual images, okay. and that's how they send and receive. Well, I wasn't able to do that very well, so I thought I couldn't do it, mm. and it took me some years before I realized how I work and that it was legitimate mm -hmm. and that the dolphins are animals. So I was communicating with animals. I just didn't call it that. So it was really quite a long process of just um, doing it and, and not even telling people much about it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then realizing, oh, this is real. This really works. It took a while. It took a long time. So you don't see images. You you hear them speaking to you in your head? I Yeah, I don't mm -hmm. hear a voice. Like someone recently said she hears different voices of mm -hmm. the animals mm -hmm. or the trees or whatever it is. I don't hear voices like that. It is more like my own thoughts. It's very subtle. And I think that's... Maybe that's for you, too. I don't know. But I think that's why it's been so difficult to believe it, because it's so much like my own thoughts. And it's mm -hmm. so subtle, like this quiet voice that you hear about. Um, and that's how it is. Mm -hmm. And I just follow it, you know. And, and a lot of my work is um, through writing. Mm -hmm. It's just mm -hmm. like, 
You've heard of automatic writing where Oh, yes. I used yeah. to, in fact, you know, it's good we're talking about this because I'm thinking, why don't I do that anymore? I yeah. used to. And what I learned with automatic writing is you just start writing and, and it can be blah, blah, blah. Well, oh, this is really stupid. This is, you know, this isn't going to work. And then all of a sudden it flips and you're actually communicating. Yeah. Or like if you're trying to communicate with someone, maybe your guides or an animal or whatever, it it just it really does. It it just changes. Exactly. And, and once once you practice it a lot, which is you know, <laughs> I do almost every day. I do my own journaling and I'm connecting with somebody or something. Mm -hmm. And then it just becomes pretty pretty automatic almost, you know, automatic writing. Yeah, yeah. 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 And and, and I think it's it's so um What's the word I want? Authentic. Yeah. You know, you just you just know that it's it's real. It, it You know, and each person has their own signal about, you know, when they're really tuned in and connected with someone. Mm -hmm. Um for me, a lot of times it's tears. I get mm. if I have a really strong connection with an animal, um I'll get teary sometimes. Mm -hmm. At least at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that's a sign for me that something's happening, you know? Oh, my goodness. Me yep. too. Yeah. You too? Yes. It's like, <laughs> I, well, I know, and, and this happens sometimes when I'm having uh, the podcast conversations, I get this, I call it like this hit in my chest, in my heart, and and I, I get emotional. And yeah. I know that tells me I'm on the right track. Oh, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Most people that I've talked to don't get that. So that's very oh. cool. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Look at what yeah. we're learning here. Fun. And uh -huh. sometimes it can be pretty intense, you mm -hmm. know? Oh, yeah. Intense. Mm -hmm. yeah. I know yeah. sometimes I can't speak for a while. I, I'm just yes. like, I'm like, wow. I said, excuse me. You know, I'm getting really emotional here. So there's something here we need to, we need to focus on. Yeah. I know when I was writing the elephant book, um, especially years ago when I was first writing my first book and I would get these profound messages from the elephants and I would just be quiet crying for like mm. an hour. I couldn't talk to anybody or do anything. It touched me so deeply. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is it about? Let's go there. What is it about elephants? I just, I feel such a connection to them and they're just so, they just seem so uh, heartfelt. They're so compassionate. So, smart so oh I, I i don't know i i really want i'm so envious that you've gone to africa to work with them i really <laughs> want i that's something that's on the top of my list that yeah. um what was yeah. the book um it was about the uh uh Tula Tula. yes oh my goodness that's Great one of my book. favorite books and for anyone who um a lot of times i don't like the audibles um, uh -huh. but the person, the gentleman that's narrating or reading this book is so perfect for it. Oh. I've, I've never heard a voice so perfect for what he's reading. It's don't be afraid to do audible if you want. It's so good. Oh, and, that's and great. It's really one of my favorite books. I it's just... a wonderful book. And then his, you know, he died and there was the whole story of how the elephants came to his home and honored him. Did you know about that? No, no. Oh yeah, it was it was on online. It was viral online some years ago. He he died. Mm -hmm. Um this was a guy who had rescued some rogue elephants and they became like his family. 
And when he died, this whole group of elephants came from miles away. Oh my goodness. And oh, stood, I'm chills. Stood vigil at by his house. Mm. And um, I think for a few days. And then um for a couple years after that, on the very same date, they would do the same thing. Oh my goodness. His wife wrote a book. It's called Um An Elephant in My Kitchen. Oh, and goodness. um she talks about that. It's just pretty incredible. Yeah. I'll have to I'll have to read that. Because that, yeah. I, yeah, wow, that just, I mean, can you imagine all of these elephants coming from all over to honor him and then doing so on the anniversary yeah. of his death? I mean, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, everybody take that in. What kind of intelligence that, <laughs> that Well, you that know, takes. I've been working with elephants spiritually, telepathically, energetically, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. for years. And still, to this day, I've been editing my my second book, you know, with the messages I've received from the elephants. Mm. Still, to this day, I don't think I really get it fully who the elephants are because mm. they are they've been my spiritual teachers. They are so wise. They're so wise. It's just unbelievable and compassionate. Barbara, do you have a sense of why they're here on planet Earth? Are they are they from another? I mean, my sense is that they're they're you know they're not quote unquote from here like the whales and the dolphins yeah, that exactly you know that they're all from I don't know if it's another star system or galaxy or what whatever it is, but they're they're here. But what's the what are they here? I mean, they're all of them are so. Um, you know, they're they're so. What's the word? I'm having my senior moment again. You know, we destroy Conscious. them. Conscious. They're, right, but I mean, we we destroy them. We we oh, yeah. you know, and 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 I just it kills me when yeah. I you know I see how they're treated a lot of times, and I'm like, why are they here? What? Well, what they've told me, and you know, this is what I believe exactly what you say. They're they're um they're from another star system where they initially didn't have bodies they were part of a larger consciousness mm-hmm. and they've come here intentionally to work with the earth the elephants and whales have told me that they work with the grids of the earth mm. they help to hold the earth stable harmonious oh, and you know intact mm-hmm. and um and and they work with all beings who live on the earth in that way, sending this vibration of love and peace um, throughout the planet. Mm. And that's and so in this way, too, they're they're helping humanity evolve. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've told me that we as humans are babies. We're pretty primitive. Yep. Yes. yes. <laughs> they're helping us evolve. Mm-hmm. Which tells me they're pretty evolved themselves, right? Right. Yes, yeah. I do think they are very evolved, and and it is my understanding that we have to evolve. We have to raise our frequency, yeah, that, and that this planet is very important. Um, yes, you know. Yes. Uh, and no matter what what people you know talk about the possibility of nuclear war or whatever, the the uh, the ETs are not going to allow that. You know, and and they've already if they, if they can prevent it. If they can, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of this is up up to us as human beings, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But the elephants have such a beautiful, and the whales, they have such a beautiful perspective. You would think after all the abuse and exploitation that they've suffered for so long at the hands of people, mm-hmm. they would be resentful and hateful, but I don't find that at all. They're extremely compassionate. And, of course, they don't like what's happening or the way they've been treated. But they have such a higher perspective. And mm-hmm. they and they put things in that context. And they're asking us to do the same, really, is to see, thing, see the bigger picture. Right, right. My husband likes to call it the 30,000-foot view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pigs, believe it or not, pigs are the same. I do work for it's a animal it's a farm animal rescue farm uh-huh. that's about four or five hours north of me, and whenever she has an issue, um, she gets a hold of me and I I gladly help out. And they have this one pig there, Sunny. Oh my God, this poor thing is so huge. Oh geez, it was I think it was some kind of a genetic experiment. And, mm. and she couldn't walk. I mean, her, her nails were so long, they're finally able to get her nails down so that she can walk. But it was, I mean, you can imagine how thick the nails on a big humongous pig are, you mm. know, I mean, it's hard enough for me to do my dog's nails, yeah, um, really, you know, but communicating with Sunny, I, I just, and, and there was another pig I was communicating with too. I was amazed how philosophical they are about life and their situation. I mean, there was no sense of anger or resentment, um, but just so much compassion and love. And, and like I said, just a higher, a higher philosophy Yeah, that I was just, I was floored. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, we have no idea. We just (laughs) have, including me. Mm Mm-hmm. We have no idea who these guys really are and how brilliant and and conscious they really are. It's kind of amazing. I know. I know. So what about your time in Africa? Yeah. And I want everybody to know, Barbara has sent me some beautiful pictures. So if you're listening to this, um, you might want to go and listen on BitShooter Rumble because I'm going to put at least a dozen of these beautiful pictures from Africa on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just got back in August. I was gone for seven weeks and mm-hmm. I went to Botswana and then I went to South Africa. Okay. And in Botswana, I was on safari mm. and it was a mo, they call it a mobile tented safari. Mm-hmm. because we slept in tents. They were very cool tents, by the way. I've and, seen uh, pictures. It's it's definitely <laughs> upscale tenting. Upscale tenting. <laughs> Even had a metal bed with a nice mattress and these wonderful blankets. It was the, it was the middle of winter, so it was cold. Oh, okay. Night. Yeah. Um, so I went on the safari for... Well, a couple of weeks, and then and then went to uh, South Africa, where I volunteered at a big cat sanctuary called Panthera mm. Africa for a month, and um, it was just wonderful. The whole thing was wonderful. Mm. 
Wow. Do you have, I did, uh, well, before the, all the lockdowns and all this bullshit happened, I was in Costa Rica and I spent a week at the beach with a friend and then I drove all by myself, almost got myself killed a couple of times, <laughs> but um, thank goodness I'm well looked after into the interior. And I volunteered at a, a wildlife rescue. Um, oh, nice. And it was really fun because with my nursing background and my wildlife rehab and energetic medicine and stuff, the wife of the, uh, the vet, the vet who the, the two of them owned it together, she was into Bach flower remedies. So we put Bach flower remedies together for some of the animals, um, that were having emotional issues. And it was my job to give them to the animals twice a day, which is really interesting. But I got to do things that other people don't normally do. I got to go and hold baby sloths. It was just like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so wonderful. How so fun wonderful. is that? Oh, That's yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been around a lot of captive animals like that, but I must say, a lot of it was in zoos years ago mm. before I really knew a whole lot about mm -hmm. things. But, oh, my gosh, when you when you can win the love and trust of an animal like that, a wild animal, mm -hmm. it's, it's just um, hard to describe the feeling of that. So what... Is there anything in particular that you do when you're trying to, because even, even, you know, let's talk about domestic animals, you know, there are animals that have emotional issues and, um, you know, how, how do you win the trust of an animal? Oh, um, I think you just need to be quiet and send love, you know, what I've learned about animal communication is the key that unlocks the door mm -hmm. to that kind of connection and communication is just love. Mm -hmm. When you really, really love that animal and project that out, they get it. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I think you can do that energetically, you know, when you're working even at a distance. Mm -hmm. But certainly in the physical, um, you don't go pushing at them and trying to force your way into their into their energy field, you know, into their aura or into mm -hmm. their physical being. You just take it easy and let them let them determine how far in you get. Yeah, I because think it's, it's Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, especially wild animals, they have what's called a flight distance. And hmm. the minute you get too close they're going to run away or or get scared and be aggressive or whatever so you really have to learn how to gauge that and mm. and just not intrude you know just be mm -hmm. respectful mm -hmm. yeah That's i think it's I you have to get out of your head and into your heart yeah exactly i remember um another experience that is like the highlight of my life uh my dad and my boyfriend and i flew down, my dad was a pilot, and we flew down to Belize and spent uh, a week scuba diving and then a week in the jungle. And then I heard that the uh, manatees were in the river for a while still because it the ocean was too cold and I wanted to go visit. So we, what was it, Crystal River. So my dad finally said, okay, we'll refuel there. And so 
it was the best 10 bucks ever spent. It was 10 bucks for this aluminum skiff. And we got our, our wetsuits on and stuff and went into the river. And I just walked in and I was like, oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. And we spent like an hour and a half with a mom and a baby and another adult. And they would just roll around and let us scratch them and play with their little feet. It was, I mean, I was in heaven and, and leaving, I heard people say, you know, they didn't have any experience or anything. And I was like, oh, that's too bad. But, you know, I, I was just going in with so much love that, that they just, they came to us. Yeah. That's beautiful. It was extraordinary. It's like, what definitely at the very top of my experience list for this (laughs) lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. I got to swim with humpback whales in Tonga. Mm. Oh. And um, oh my God, to be next to one of those amazing creatures is just same kind of thing, you know. They it's come just... up did they come up to you? Well, they didn't come up per se, but they allowed us to be in their presence and swim very close by. Mm-hmm. I was with the mother and her baby. Mm-hmm. And I told that story in the first book of what that was like. Just Why didn't you tell us? Well, I don't know if there's a lot to tell. I was there for two weeks in mm-hmm. Tonga, specifically to be with the whales. And I had heard that there's whales everywhere and you're swimming with them every day and all this stuff. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> I think we were kind of at the end of their time there. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I guess, in August or September. And, and, um, there were whales, but we would go out every day on the ocean and, you know, get ready to get in the water and they just swim away. They didn't want a whole lot to do with us. So this was the very last day and it was an optional day. We, you know, we could either go on the boat or not go on the boat. And um, I had been so frustrated and discouraged. I was mm. just mm-hmm. really broke down the day before and I just said, okay. I'm done. If you're not coming, I'm not putting this book out. I don't think any of my connection is true. And I was, I just let it all go. I said, okay, I'm done. And it was the last day. And I just said, uh, uh, you know, do I really want to go out again? I get seasick (laughs) too. I always get seasick. I thought, do I really want to go out again? Am I just, you know, going to get disappointed? And I thought, no. I just want to have a good time on the water. It's a beautiful day, and I'm going. And that was the day that um, we got to swim with this mother whale. Mm. She, um, There was another boat before us who had been near her, and I think you can only spend an hour in their presence okay. there. And, and we went out, and I was one of the first ones in the water. I don't scuba dive. I just snorkel. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my God, she was right near the surface swimming very very slowly so we could stay with her and i each i went in three different times and each time i got closer and closer to her head and i was taking pictures underwater and just like oh my god to look in her eye and see that baby going up and down by her head you know cuz oh my goodness to breathe more often and and I got out, and uh, Trish, who was leading this group, she and I just hugged each other and jumped up and down in tears. We <laughs> were so excited. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, and then I started writing, and she, I called her Mother Whale, and mm. I just 
wrote to her for years. Still, she's she's a friend to me, you know, just um, so beautiful. Mm. Uh, it was it was quite, quite wonderful. Wow. Now, Barbara, I have to ask, because this is a very large animal. <laughs> and and you're in the water, not your you know, not your uh, uh, main surroundings uh, where you're comfortable. Um, were you scared at all? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> you know, I wasn't at mm -hmm. all. Yeah, I wasn't. She was so calm, and um, I guess I just sensed there was no animosity whatsoever, mm -hmm. and I was just happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Oh. I so, think it was, you know, I remember the when I was swimming with dolphins. And one time my mother went with me. This was early on, I think, the first time I swam with dolphins. My mother went with me. And mm. there were these huge dolphins, you know, swimming around in this tank. It was in a tank then. And my mother was just too scared to get in the water. But I got in and I was in seventh heaven. They mm -hmm. were all over me and just everywhere. And, oh, my God, I just was so happy. They know. They really do know. They, yeah. it's, yeah. It, you know, I, I think what we're doing now, speaking words, <laughs> is very, um, it's it's not the highest order of communication. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not. It that way. It's know. not. My hope in the books that I mm -hmm. write, my my deepest hope is that people will sense that connection and they'll be able to form their own connection with these animals, not just me and my words or the animals' words, but mm -hmm. really feel who they are and, and have their own their own uh a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. That would be my highest hope for for my writing. Yeah. Well, and we're we're surrounded by animals, whether it's domestic or just the birds outside, or you know, where, where I am, bobcats and cougars and bears and <laughs> yeah. In fact, damn, yeah. bear ate almost all my apples this year. I'm so mad. <laughs> oh. I'm like all that work. I didn't realize it. We we had the gate open because my husband was redoing the the entry gate, and I, he was. Oh, no, I remember the gate was closed, but he, I think it's a he, uh, was able to open it and get come in and then just push it and go out. So I didn't realize that he was even coming in. And then I went to go check the apples and I'm like, where are all the apples? <laughs> yes. what and and what about the plums? Where'd all the plums go? <laughs> and, you <laughs> he was, know, he yeah. was hungry. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, getting ready for winter, right? Yeah. And um and then I start seeing bear poop around and I'm like, oh geez. I, you yeah. know, it's like all the work it takes to grow all this stuff. <laughs> I I couldn't believe it. I actually ended up because we have a an apple press. Uh-huh. And oh the fresh apple juice is just so good. And I use those uh wine bags that where you can take all the get all the oxygen out. And I fill those and then I put them in the freezer. And then, you know, during the winter, we take them out one at a time. I actually bought friggin' apples to press because my husband really likes fresh apple juice in the winter. I'm yeah. like, I can't believe I'm buying apples. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
because there yeah. should have been plenty. Uh, and so many people here don't have fencing and, and they end up getting, you know, the, some of their livestock killed and stuff. And I'm like, you're out in the bush. You, you have to have fencing if you're yeah. going to have animals. Yeah, you do. We're in their territory. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So it's our responsibility to take care of what's ours. You mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned domestic animals. I've worked with a lot of domestic animals as well. It's not just the wild ones. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and people need to realize just how brilliant their own animals are. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. they know what's going on a lot of the time, even more than we do. And um, they're pretty amazing too. They really are. You know, I mean, if you, I think they know, I mean, like I know my animals, they know when I'm upset. Yeah. Um, you know, you just, if you pay attention to their behavior, it's usually about us. Yeah. And I know my dog, she's had so much training, it's ridiculous. But her, her thing is that when she gets excited, it's very hard for her to control herself and stop. She just doesn't have an off button. And she gets very excited when there are other people and other dogs. She just, you know, she loves everybody. But I've noticed that when somebody comes over who's calm, she's much different than with somebody who's kind of hyper and their energy's all over the place. And she's jumping all over them and won't leave them alone. And yet then somebody else comes over who's, who's you know, much more calm. Their, you know, their energy isn't so, so wild and she's much calmer around them. Yeah, they're very sensitive to energy. They really are. So I think the whole idea of when there's a behavior problem with a, with a pet, probably the first place to start is with the owners. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's often true. Yep. Or the people just kind of exacerbate what's already there. You know, they mm -hmm. aggravate the the issue and and you know not to blame people because some of these animals are quite challenging oh yes but but you know they do pick up our energy even even physical problems you know as a veterinarian i would see this quite often where the animal would display symptoms that are either similar to that of the person mm -hmm. or based in the same emotion that the person's going through and you know, that's part of their service is to take on some of our issues and 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 help us deal with them or, you know, I haven't right. found a way to keep them from actually taking these things on. It's just part of what they do. But right. we can certainly reassure them that we're okay and it's not their job to to take it all on themselves. Yeah. Right. And do do you think they're here too to help us um with our lessons? No question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And they are spiritual beings. You mm -hmm. know, I think most people don't think of them that way. They're these little hairy things <laughs> with four legs, but, but they're spiritual beings just like we are. Yeah. And they have their own lessons to learn as well. I mean, they do take on our stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they have their own lessons too. And uh, I think it's important to honor them that way. Mm-hmm. I agree. Oh, I know. I've got a good question for you because I've heard two different sides of the story here. So I've, I've learned from, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of what was my, 
I think it was my, uh, my communication teacher, Danielle McKinnon, that animals will not reincarnate into another body. Like a lot of people will say, oh, you know, this, my dog that died 10 years ago, this is, you know, it's come back to me that they will train another animal to be your pet um, and, and help them to understand what your needs are, but they won't specifically come back to you. What do you think? I kind of don't agree with that. Okay. Yeah. I, I've, I've heard both. So I was just yeah. wondering what your take is. You know, from my experience, uh, they can even go from animal to human and vice versa occasionally, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or they can take on a different species. Mm -hmm. Or right. or an animal can come back to the same person. Maybe they were. I had this experience one and it was once, and it was pretty, really interesting and really strong um, uh, energy behind it. Really, mm -hmm. I got some really strong validation for this. But okay. it, it, the the one had been a dog came back as a cat. Okay, so that can happen. I mm -hmm. believe. And I've mm -hmm. heard many people talk about how they had a particular dog, for instance, who came back years later. Um, sim similar, similar uh, behaviors, similar likes and dislikes, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think well, it's possible. Yeah, and I've, I mean, I've. Some people feel that that uh, like dogs, we'll say dogs and cats. Um, can't reincarnate as a human. But then I've also read that especially animals, and it can be wild animals too, who have connection with humans and um, are much more likely, they can choose if they want to, um, to come back as a human. And in fact, what did somebody say? I don't know if they were joking or not, but they're talking about the dog, they see you, um, uh, feeding them and, and, you know, say you give them canned food, you know, taking the food out of the tin and they, they, the thought is that they could do that themselves, <laughs> not have some, <laughs> not have to have a human do it for them. So they want to <laughs> come back as a human. I thought that was cute. <laughs> That'd be an interesting reason to incarnate, you know, <laughs> oh my gosh. yeah, but I think, you know, I, what the, what the elephant said too is there's no ultimate truth you know mm, we each mm -hmm. have our own opinions our own beliefs our own filters mm -hmm. um but i think it's important just to stay open you know? yeah i agree possibilities yes and especially in this day and age when there is so much information out there about all the stuff that's going on in the world and um you know, a lot of it, like we were talking a little bit before we started the recording, you know, I said, I just put a lot of this information in my we'll see file cabinet in my head. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I don't, I don't just go, oh, that can't be because you just don't know. I mean, there are just so many things that you think just couldn't, couldn't be. There's so many behaviors right. that people do and things that are happening that you just think it, that can't be. And then you right. find more and more, um, uh, information that that corroborates that it is so i just i i don't you know i don't just go no i uh, well you know i don't know but let's let's see if that's corroborated or not and we'll file it away well and the other thing is to trust your own your own instincts you mm -hmm. know your own intuition 
Right. Because that's a really powerful uh, discernment tool that mm-hmm. we have, you know, is just trusting what feels true. Right. And, and I, think, I think you just said the right word, feels true. Because mm-hmm. if you use your mind, and I've, I haven't said this in a while, but I've said this before, your mind can justify anything. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so it's really important to come from your heart and see, you know, how that, how it feels to you, if it feels right or not. That's right. Yeah. And like I talked about, a validation signal for me is getting teary sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's really good to learn what your own personal validation signs are to know if something feels true to you. you yes, know? I agree. I think that's wise. So yeah. what would you say for someone who would really love to be able to communicate with animals or, or even trees or, you know, anything? Um, what would you say are some of the first steps for them? Besides getting your book, they should get your book, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. What's the title of your book again? Well, this one that's going to be coming out, who knows when? I hope it's in the <laughs> next couple months. It's called, it's it's the second in the Soul of the Wild series is what okay. I'm calling it. Book Soul two. of the Wild. Okay. Soul of the Wild, book two, and it's called and the subtitle is The Wisdom of Elephants. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I think the most important there's a few more important things. One okay. is to get quiet. Just mm-hmm. really get quiet and go inside and um, ask, you know, mm-hmm. just start asking and uh, and trust what you get. You might be wrong. Okay. So then you try again, you know, but you need to start really trusting what you receive. And I think the more you do it and the more you trust it and the more you learn uh, to sense what feels true. Mm-hmm the easier it becomes. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Another thing that I would like to emphasize, I don't know that most people do. I think it's really important to do your own inner healing work, mean Mm -hmm. emotional healing, Mm -hmm. physical healing too, but emotional healing. If you have certain wounds and you're communicating with the animal, you can project your own um, fears and sadness and anger and all of that onto the animal and think it's coming from them when actually it's your own. So I think it's really important to do your own work so that you can determine what's yours and what's not mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not put that on somebody else. So I think that's an important piece. Mm-hmm. And of course, we'll never heal everything. but but you know just to do as much as you can to to get your inner world as quiet as possible Mm -hmm. yes and then just sit in with an animal or with a picture of an animal or even in just a meditation and send love send Mm -hmm. lots of love and i feel like the one of the really important ways to connect with an animal is through intention Mm-hmm. You intend to connect with a particular animal or group of animals, and you direct your energy in that um, direction, mm-hmm. and then give it your focus and attention. Yes, you know you're not thinking about what you're going to cook for dinner or, mm-hmm. or you know the pain in your knee or whatever. You're, you're you're focusing on that animal with love, and an intention to connect at a deep level. Yes. So those are the 
some of the basics that I would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, that made me think of something too, uh, open-ended questions. So if you feel unsure, mm-hmm. um, like you can't do this, open-ended questions for anything are really good. And you're not looking for the answer. You're just asking open-ended questions. So it would be like, what would it feel like if yeah. I could communicate with an animal? How would I know if I was communicating with an animal? What what would I do? You know, just, just kind of stream of consciousness, open-ended questions uh, that, like I said, you're not you're you're not expecting an answer, but it it triggers something in your brain that um that helps to move you forward. And yeah. um yeah, just and you can do it with anything. Um, you know, yeah. and say maybe you're out of work and you want a job and you know, what what would it look like for me to have the best job for me that I really liked? You know, how would I feel? What would I what would I be thinking? What would I, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and when you are in conversation, um, it is a conversation. It's not like you're just you're throwing out a bunch of questions to an animal and expecting mm-hmm. a whole bunch of answers. And there's no there's no two way dialogue, mm-hmm. for, for at least from my perspective, the way I've worked is I have a, a, a full conversation. Right. You know, like, how do you feel about such and such? And what do you think about this? And and you wait for their response and then talk to them, just like you and I are having a conversation. It's the same thing. Right. Right. Yeah. And I also, um, <laughs> something that a lot of times I don't have a picture of the animal. Uh-huh. And what I found is, I, I don't know if they're joking around or what, but they like sometimes like a little, a little, you know, maybe a little chihuahua or a little dachshund or something will come to me and show me as like this big, huge animal. Like they're, <laughs> it, it's, it's their personality really. Right. Uh-huh. They, they, yeah. but, it, but they're really small or, or they'll show me like if they're elderly, they'll, they'll show me themselves like when they were young and spry and, <laughs> and healthy, you know? So, yeah. so I, I guess the, the reason I'm bringing that up is, you know, don't feel like you failed if what you're picturing isn't what the animal actually is right now at the moment. There, there may be a reason why they're That's showing great. you something different. And, yeah, and it brings up something for me too. Is sometimes I'll be with an animal who's wired, you know, a dog that's just jumping around and can't control himself, like you were talking about. And I get inside, you know, I I get quiet and I start connecting with them energetically. I like to connect uh, energetically first before mm-hmm. I start. Allowing a bunch of questions at them. Oh yeah, um, and see see who they are and ask for permission. That's mm-hmm. another thing. And I also mm-hmm. protect myself. You know, put a a, a a bubble of light around me and ask for help from my guides and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. angels and everything, and certainly my own soul. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes I'll get in there and this dog is perfectly quiet. <laughs> in, inside you know or there'll be this dog that seems totally bored with life or cat and they're just kind of hanging out and you get inside and there's all this energy and enthusiasm so you can't you, you can't always gauge from from what you see right you know? and the other thing that i would like to bring up <laughs> is that um i used to expect that if i were communicating with an animal they would respond to me. 
physically. They'd come over and they'd mm, mm-hmm. sit in my lap or they'd, you know, come right next to me and they'd do this and do that. But that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. You can be communicating on a deep level with an animal and they're not acknowledging you at all. Right. Because, you know, you're talking in their inner world and they might be focused in their outer world. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really challenging but important not to have any expectations or assumptions of how it's going to be. You know, that's an open mind. That's probably one of the most important things you said is to is really is to get don't have any expectations. Just let it flow and see what wants to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Oh, this has been so much fun. I really yeah. uh, enjoyed it. Um, how can people, do you have a website? How can people? I do. I do. It's very simple. It's barbarashore.com. Okay. And it's B-A-R-B-A-R-A-S-H-O-R. There's no E on there. Mm-hmm. com. That's my website. Okay. And like you mentioned in the beginning, I have a podcast with Avantika. And that's been really fun. Oh, good. As you know from your Mm -hmm. podcast, and we've interviewed some really fascinating people who work with animals in interesting ways and very conscious, conscious ways. Um, And that is animalsanduspodcast.com. And our podcast is on most of the venues I know about anyway, you know, Apple and Spotify and Mm -hmm. what are the other ones? Anyway, the, the, know, common, the common ones. Mm-hmm. And um, that's been fun. And the, our intention really is to um, talk about animal consciousness, animal communication, and, um, and, and just open people's minds to new thoughts and new ideas about animals. Mm-hmm. Fun. That's great. And are do, is there any other social media or anything that uh, people can connect with you? Oh, no. Well, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, but I'm not a big social media person. So yeah, me either. I don't go on there a lot. It's too much. It takes too much time, too much effort. It's too. Yeah, and I'm too old for that stuff. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Keep up. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I were really tech savvy and I just knew exactly what I were doing. But Avantical handles all that stuff for a podcast, and it's just not. Oh, that's my great. Thing. That's great. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there's only so many hours in the day, and I feel like I spend way too much time. Uh, in fact, I was thinking about that today because the biofeedback bioresonance program that I use, Genius Insight, is is on my. Uh, on a mini iPad. So I'm on a screen for that. And then, you know, it's like, I'm on a screen for so many things and I feel like it's good. I live out in the boonies. So at least I can look out at trees and I'm outside and I have to go out and take care of the chickens and, you know, (laughs) the coolest thing of the whole day was when you showed me your chicken peanut Mm -hmm. and peanut and how peanuts hangs out with you in the house. I thought it was so cool. I, I should take a, a picture of her because she's yes. right here and she's, I've got um, a little towel down for her and she's like, um, she's like making a nest out of it. You know, she's pulling it towards <laughs> her and uh, she's in front of my printer. I'll, I'll have to, cause I'm in a zoom group on Monday nights and, and peanut is part of the zoom group. She has to oh my gosh. be there. And, yeah. She's, everybody's the got to see her. So. <laughs> 
Yes, she is. is. I'll tell everybody what she is when they see the picture. She's a Milfleur duckle. Oh my gosh. And and she's what they call a banty, which is basically is a miniature chicken. So she lays a, a little egg. Well, she doesn't anymore. She doesn't lay anymore. But, um, you know, it's it's like two eggs are the size of a, you know, a good sized egg. So um, generally, because <laughs> people love our eggs, because in the winter, I make sprouts for them and, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're well cared for. So everybody likes the flavor of my eggs. So I, I, can, I can barely keep up because really most of the, I don't think, the majority of the girls actually late because they're too old now. We eat the banty eggs mostly so that I can sell the big ones to people. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I don't come first. What can I say? <laughs> and she's beautiful too. She's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, she is. She is. I, I'll take a picture of her before. Okay. When we're Good back. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Pina. Yeah. Such a nut. Well, thank you so much, Barbara. This has been really fun for me. I hope it's been fun for the listeners. It's been and fun for me, too. Yeah, I hope other people enjoy it, too. Good. Great. Yeah. So, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And I thank so much Barbara Shore for her heartfelt messages from animals and that the work that she's doing that I think is so important for the world especially for the animal kingdom and for humans. It's so important for us to have this kind of connection with animals. It's, I think it's part of our, our growth uh, spiritually. The podcast website is realjanine.com. There you can listen to and download episodes. You can also listen to slideshow videos on BitChute and Rumble. And please remember to subscribe while you're there. And if you're on Rumble, give me a rumble. Do you know someone who would find my conversation with Barbara Shore inspiring and uplifting? I'm sure you do. So please share the love. We would all appreciate it. And until next time, take care and be well.